How's everybody doing? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Have a sad up. Yeah, yes. Y'all wait till I say one, two, three with the Bible, but you won't get up, okay? <laughs> How's everybody doing today? Hey, um, if you can take out this piece of paper from your lesson plan, I want to go, I mean, from your bulletin, um, I want to go over this. I want to welcome all the campuses, everybody watching out there online. What's up? Everyone say, what's up? Uh, I have a friend who who's a, has uh, a church in Boston, and I was talking to him yesterday, and he says, brother, he's one of my close friends, he's, he's a pastor, he says, is, um, are you with me or are you against me? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, Patriots. <laughs> so I need, I need to say, I need to say uh, Pastor Matt, we are 100% against you. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I had, I had Tom Brady dolls I was sticking pins in and Gronk dolls I was sticking pins in. Anyway, <laughs> it's like a five-minute yelling match over the phone yesterday. Um, tomorrow I'm speaking uh, at a Martin Luther King breakfast at the Jacob Center in Southeast San Diego, and I would love to invite all y'all to come. Amen. There's going to be people from the community, pastors, leaders, uh, 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 city officials, Mayor, et cetera, but come down there and let's celebrate Dr. King. I remember when I was eight years old when he was killed. Um, I remember very vividly having this empty feeling in my heart thinking, what do we do now? Because he was like the guy who, re who represented us. And I say us, it, it, at that time, was, well, it's still divided. Um, but where I lived, it was black and white. And, um, you know, all my life I have I've thought about that. And I, obviously I wrote a book called The Third Option. You can get that anywhere. But I'm so glad we have this because this is what the world and the country needs to look like, worshiping God together. Can I get an amen? So come on down there. Um, uh, if you've never been to Jacob Center in Southeast San Diego, just Google it. It's not far. It'll take you 10 minutes wherever you live. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a little exaggeration. <laughs> um, uh, this, we're going into our third week of the fast, and I want to encourage you to stay strong, stay focused, and make sure you document at least one thing that God's going to change in your life when you come off your fast. Can I get amen? Okay, if you have this piece of paper, this white piece of paper, it says FaceTime at the top, wave it in the air like this. Just wave, keep waving it just for a second. Keep waving it, keep waving it, keep waving it, keep waving it, keep waving it. Very good, very good. Good. I just wanted to see y'all do that. That's okay. You don't need it. No. I want to, I want to, um, take you through this because this is not only for Sunday, this is something you could take home. We want you to take home and use in your R group. We want you to take home and use in your D group and personal life and also every single day. I'm going to show you how. Top line, is right where it says FaceTime, underneath that it says, how is your heart? When you come in here, we want to ask you that question and we want you to think about your heart right now. Some of you come in here frustrated. Some of you come in here, you're late, your wife's late, your husband's late, you're arguing in the car, whatever it is. Uh, you, you got money problems, you got to have a hard discussion tomorrow and your heart's disturbed. Make a note of it. No, I'm not feeling good right now. Okay. If you want to write it down, if you don't want to write it down, but at least you're thinking about where's my heart right now, especially during worship. Are you into worship? Okay. Your heart, God, give me a heart for worship. So where's your heart? The next line is the Bible reading. This is what we're reading this week, uh, Exodus 21 to 40. If you're not on the reading plan, get the reading plan. I'll, I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. But we're reading 15 minutes a day, give or take, and you'll get to the whole Bible in a year. 15 minutes a day, your life will be changed. Uh, the memory verse, we, we did that. Uh, and then there's a do so, uh, the definition of a do something disciple right there. And then the do something disciple prayer. We're going to get to that in a minute. I can't encourage you enough to say this prayer to yourself 
every day. We'll get to that in a minute. Turn over. Every week we're going to ask God for his heart. And it is three steps. And the third step has three steps. Number one, assess the condition of your heart. That's A. God, where's my heart with worship? Where's my heart with giving? Where's my heart with sharing my faith? We all have different attitudes and desires for those things. And God has his attitude and desire. So we want to first assess our own heart. Then we want to search the scriptures for what is God's heart in that area. And then the last one is K. Lord, knit our hearts together. Knit my heart with your heart. And how do you do that? You just ask him. Look what it says under that. It says, number one, Father, give me a heart that identifies itself as blank. We'll go over that today. Father, give me a heart. Jesus created me a heart. Number two, Holy Spirit developed me in a heart. There's any, many ways you could say that. But basically what you're asking me is, God, here's my heart. Here's your heart. Knit them together. I want your heart. Amen? Now, look at those one, two, three. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see that? Say amen if you see it. Turn the page over. Look at the prayer. If you look at the bullets on the bottom, the little dots right above each one is Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You see that? Same thing. Okay? Same thing. So I want to encourage you. What we're going to do right now, we're going to read this. What we're going to read is Father, give me a heart that. What we call D12, 12 expressions of the heart of the Father. What we're going to read through right now. Father, give me a heart. The reason people don't read the Bible because they don't want to. It's not because you don't have time. Because you don't want to. The reason people don't come to church every week because you don't want to. Unless you have a job that, that is from 7 a.m., 8 a.m. all the way to 7 p.m. because we're here all day. Okay. <laughs> oh, I work. When you work. Oh, I work from 8 to 12. We got church at 6. Okay, homie. I have that conversation many, many times. Okay. So the reason, the reason you don't give is because you don't want to. You don't trust God. You don't trust God's going to take care of you. So this is going to solve that. God, give me your heart. So let's read this very slowly together out loud. We're going to start with the do something disciple prayer. And it starts with as they do something disciple. See that? Say amen if you see it. Let's go. One, two, three. As they do something disciple, I am in a disciplined pursuit for the heart of the Father. A heart that is being perfected in love for God and people. Father... Give me a heart that desperately seeks face-to-face intimacy with you. That's what we're going to talk about today. Faithfully avoids that which displeases you. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Humbly embraces a kingdom mindset. Values making disciples. Jesus creating me a heart that values being guided by the word of God. Gratefully grows in generosity. Nurtures a burden for lost people demonstrates a commitment to a spirit-filled expression of my gifts. Holy Spirit, develop a heart in me that gracefully gives and receives forgiveness, passionately worships, is dependent on the power of prayer, serves with humility. Father, knit my heart with yours. Fill my heart with your passions, motivations, and desires. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at the person next to you and say, that's really good. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. Let's get this party started. Let's get your Bibles out on the count of three. (laughs) 
There is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it again. I'm just going to say word. <laughs> I wouldn't even test it again. <laughs> Turn to Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 33. That was awesome. That was awesome. God has given you his heart of following directions. <laughs> oh, Exodus 33. Um, Last year on May 6th was a Sunday, I preached a sermon in Spanish and leading up to that sermon, I was actually obviously practicing like a fiend. I was going to class, I was reading, memorizing, rewording stuff, uh, memorizing stuff, trying to learn new verb conjugations, etc., 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 frying my brain. I actually preached a sermon the Wednesday before at a Spanish church to warm up and I completely froze in front of this whole congregation. No, for real. I mean, I was like, I couldn't even say, como, como, como se llama? I mean, I couldn't say hola. I was like, ah. And they were like, and the pastor just said, he's going to come here and preach in Spanish. And, I, and he's doing all this Spanish. And I'm like, I don't know what he's saying right now. <laughs> I, literally, it happened for real. I, I struggled for 40 minutes in front of these people. It was so embarrassing. And then I came here to practice this Friday before I preached, and I froze again. And I was like, God, what's up? He says, oh, I'm just, I'm just humbling you. I said, but I got like three services to do, four services to do. He said, we'll, we'll take care of that then. I'm like, can you tell me now? One of the, and it went fine uh, uh, when we got here, praise the Lord. Uh, but one of the, the most important and productive way I learned was through face-to-face conversation. It wasn't even on the phone because I couldn't see the person that I was talking to. When you can't see the person, you can't see their facial expressions of how they pronounce things. And you can't see the facial expressions they have when you pronounce it wrong. <laughs> Because sometimes I'll be on the phone talking and they're like, they're not saying anything. And I'm like, they're like, okay, good. And they just kind of, well, we're not going to correct them. But when it was FaceTime, I could see them going. <laughs> and then I was like, is something wrong? And then they correct me. I was like, okay. And I got to see how, you, how they would shape, use their mouth to pronounce certain things. And, that, and, and because 70% of communication is nonverbal, I got to see all of this. Unless you have face-to-face conversation, you really can't communicate at the highest level with people. Unless you have face-to-face conversation with God, you can't communicate at the highest level. You can come here and get a word from me or even hear a word while you're in here. Great. But a true disciple has a heart. The first thing we prayed has a heart that seeks face-to-face intimacy with the Father. That you can actually hear his voice. And I'm not saying you have to hear his voice as audible as you hear mine. But you can hear him say, God spoke to me. You can sense his presence. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God's face is his presence. It's the same word. And a disciple who is in pursuit of the heart of the Father has a heart to be in the presence of God. And my encouragement to you today is what we're going to talk about today is how can you nurture a heart that wakes up in the morning. And when you're hearing all that garbage come in your head before you open your eyes. How many of y'all hear garbage come in your head before you open your eyes? Raise your hand real high. Raise your hand. The reason I want you to raise your hand real high is because I want all of y'all to see that you're not alone. Raise your hand really high. You're not alone. That is a spiritual battle. 
That is a spiritual battle. The devil's trying to derail your day before it even starts. That's why you got to spend time with God before it, you start your day and get in his presence and say, God, I need your presence. So what we're going to do is we're going to study Moses um, and how Moses, the Bible says, spoke face to face with God as this man speaks with his friend. Amen? Okay, let's do a little quiz. How many books in the Bible? Everyone say 66. Uh, this, is, this, is a, uh, this is an interactive time, okay, it's interactive. I ask a question, you answer the question. I ask the question, I'll tell you the answer, then you give me the answer. It's really easy. Everyone say 66. How many books in the Bible? How many parts? There's the what testament? There's the what testament? Then is the what, then is the what testament? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is called the shacket. This is a jacket shirt. It's a shacket. I did not make that up. That's the guy he sold me, Sean, in uh, Vegas. What's up, Sean? This is, he said, I'm going to sell you a shacket. <laughs> there's a what testament? Then there's a what? Shacket. <laughs> the Bible was written by 40 people. How many people? How many people? Over 1,500 years. How many years? How many years? On three continents. How many continents? How many continents? If you don't know numbers, I'm sorry. How many people wrote the Bible? How many people wrote the Bible? Over how many years? <laughs> one five. Say one five. Fifteen. <laughs> oh, how many continents? How many books in the Bible? How many books in the Bible? How many parts? Shack it. That old shack it. This is an old shack it. <laughs> First five books in the Bible. Say Genesis. Say Exodus. Say Leviticus. Say Numbers, say Deuteronomy, say Genesis, say Exodus, say Leviticus, say Numbers, say Deuteronomy, say Very good. Uh, Genesis is the book of beginnings. In the book of beginnings, one of the things that began was a, the nation of Israel through Abraham. Abraham was a father of faith. He's the father of the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. Uh, he had a son named Isaac. He had a, Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Ten of his sons, Joseph's brother, sold him into slavery. They wanted to kill him, but one stood up for him, so they sold him. He went to Egypt as a slave. He ended up becoming assistant to Pharaoh and overseeing all the food during the famine. He sent word back to his family, come here to get some food. Seventy people end up living in Egypt of Jacob's family, and it grew to two million. They became slaves under Pharaoh. One of those slaves was, one of those families had a baby named Moses. Moses was hidden in, in a little ark in the water. Pharaoh's daughter found him and they adopted him. He lived 40 years in Pharaoh's home. He learned all the education and received all the education of the Egyptians. The Bible tells us in Acts. They knew astronomy, math. Um, they knew uh, science. They, they embalmed bodies. When you see a mummy, they took every organ out and embalmed each organ individually, put it in a casket and put it in the bottom of the pyramid. The pyramid was actually a tomb for the Pharaoh. And there were tunnels that went down into the tomb where they had the body, they had gold, they had soldiers, uh, statues, they painted the armies on the wall. They had an underground lighting system so they could do all that work. They were way advanced than anybody in the world. Moses was raised in that culture for 40 years. He ended up killing an Egyptian and he had to run. So he ran as a fugitive and lived in the wilderness for 40 years. So he spent 40 years getting educated in Egypt. Then he spent 40 years getting pasteurized, not like milk, like a pastor. He started taking, he started taking care of animals and sheep for 40 years. When he was 80 years old, everyone say 80. God said, now you're ready. 
Now you're ready. You got education and you got my heart. 80 years old, he's out there and he sees his fire burning the bush and he goes to the fire. We talked about this last week. And the fire speaks to him and he speaks back. And the fire says, you're going to go let my people go. Make a long story short, he agreed after a lot of negotiating with God. And he goes and, and he says, I'm going to give you power. And he goes and he has a conversation with God. And all through his negotiations with Pharaoh, God's speaking to him, telling him, you're going you're to call down frogs on the Egyptians. You're going to call down lice on the Egyptians. You're going to call down darkness. You're going to make the blood water. You're going to put lice on all the animals. And, and you're going to kill. And then I'm going to kill every firstborn of every Every family doesn't have the blood of the lamb on the door. And Moses overseeing all these amazing miracles. So, so Pharaoh will finally humble himself and let the Jews go. They finally do the exodus. You've seen the movies. They go to the Red Sea. Moses goes out and lifts his hand up uh, with the staff in the hand. And the water departs. And they walk through. And then the Egyptian shoulders, shoulders, sh- soldiers, <laughs> fighters walk through the water on their chariots. And those chariots are still being found in the Red Sea in the bottom as evidence that really happened. And, and then they started complaining, we don't have any water. So Moses got water out of a rock. We don't have any bread. So Moses, God called quail, I mean, a manna and put it on the, uh, on the ground. We don't have any meat. God called quail and just blew a bunch of quail so they could eat bread, uh, meat. And every day he fed them with the manna and the quail. And then Moses goes up to the top of the mountain and he spends 40 days on top of the mountain and he drinks nothing. He eats nothing. He goes on a fast. 40 days, he goes to the top of the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, God says to him, while they're speaking face to face, God says to him, you need to go down because those people are tripping. Because what the people at the bottom of the mountain say, we don't know what happened to that guy, Moses. He's been up there 40 days and it's thundering and lightning. And certainly he can't still be alive. And they built a golden calf and they said, we're going to worship that calf. That's what brought us out of slavery. And so God says, those people are tripping. You need to go down there and get them straight. So he goes down there with the Ten Commandments and he sees them. And he, you're going to read all this this week, by the way. Not all of this, the part about Moses mostly. And he, and, and, he, and he breaks the Ten Commandments. And he pulls, not all of his hair out, but he just, uh. And he says, y'all are tripping. The God on that mountain is the one who brought you out. And right after that, he takes his tent and he moves it outside the camp. And he goes in there and meets with God on a regular basis. And when he goes out, a pillar of cloud comes in front of the tent and he goes and talks with God face to face. Where you're going to be challenging, and my question to you is, do you have a heart that wants to seek God? All the time Moses was doing this, he was talking to God. He talked to God when he first met him at the burning bush. He talked to God when he, when he, when he was going to talk to Pharaoh. In between his conversations with Pharaoh, he was talking to God. During his conversations with Pharaoh, he was talking to God. As he's leading the Jews to the wilderness, when they're complaining about this, complaining about that. And by the way, they wanted to stone him. He was talking to God, praying for them. God, God even said, this is a trip. God said, Moses, step aside. I will kill all of them right now. I'm tired of them. And Moses said, God, please don't do it. He said, I just check it. I just want to see where your heart was at. And he, True story. And, and, and so they had conversation after conversation after conversation. Moses knew, and you're going to see in this passage, the importance of speaking to God face to face. You cannot get your God wisdom from me. Now, let me rephrase that. You cannot get the bulk of your God wisdom, your day-to-day wisdom from me. Hopefully you get something when you come here. But th- th- this is cool, but you got to get it every day. You got to get it every day. And so as we see in this story, we're going to see three things we can do, or several things we can do to nurture a heart that wants face-to-face contact with God. Now, whenever you read a story in the Bible, which the, the whole story, Bible is a story, but whenever you read a specific story in the Bible, you always want to identify who is God's friend and who is God's enemy. Now, what I'm telling you now, I'm going to, I'm going to try to tell you as often as I can, 
based on what we're reading as we go through the whole Bible. This is how you read the Bible. You always want to, and feel free to write this down if you want, but you, you always want to know who is God's friend. Who, individual, angel, group of people, animal is trying to promote God's agenda. Identify who that person is or persons. Who is God's enemy? Person, demon, animal, group of people who oppose God's friend or oppose God's agenda. And in every story, you're going to see a conflict between God's friend and God's enemy. Every movie you watch is between a good guy and bad guy. Same thing. And in every story, the, the plot of the story is how does God's friend overcome the resistance of God's enemies? God, Moses went down to Egypt and he was God's friend trying to get God's people free, obeying God. Pharaoh was his enemy. In every story, God's friend is going to be confronted with a problem bigger than him. That's why he needs to go to God. And God is always the hero in every story with something supernatural that man, his friend couldn't do. Now, every single one of you is in a story, multiple stories. And every single one of you has to choose, am I going to be God's friend or am I going to be God's enemy? Because we are human and we are sinful, we are schizophrenic. One minute we're God's friend, one minute we're God's enemy. One minute we're in church saying praise the Lord, next minute we're out there trying to kill somebody. So we have to decide, am I going to be God's friend? If you're a disciple, you are pursuing the heart of God, that is God's friend. But understand, you are going to have opposition. And your opposition is always going to appear to be way bigger than you can handle. But if you trust God, he wants to be your hero. Can I get an amen? So as we read this story, and every time you read the Bible, I want you to look for who's God's friend, who's God's enemy, what is God's friend trying to do, and more importantly, what does God do? What can I learn about God and his heart for his people and his friend? Amen? Okay, that was a lot. Too fast for you? Very good. Turn to Exodus chapter 33, verse 8. I know some of you are saying, well, what if it was too fast? I don't know what to tell you. I was trying to get it in there. 33, verse 8. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Everyone say, God, will you please talk with me? And then he will say, will you please listen? Because I talk to you every day. <laughs> Verse 10, say, all the people saw the pillar. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just read this. Oh, I'm sorry. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshiped each man at his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And he would not return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Moses would go out to the tabernacle and he would go out to his place and the pillar of cloud would, would represent the presence of God would come there and everyone would see God's talking to Moses. And his disciple, Joshua, came with him. And when he would come out to do his business, Joshua would say, I'm staying here. The reason we have disciples is because one day the discipler is going to be gone. Guess who led the Jews into the promised land? Not Moses. Joshua. There's a whole book called Joshua. And it's all about the conquest. So it's so important that he raised somebody up because he died before he went into the promised land. God showed him the promised land, but he said, you ain't going in. 
He's to climb the mountain. You're going to die at the top of the mountain. He was 120 years old. Anybody here 120? Anybody want to live to 120? Yeah, I used to want to live to 120 until I saw a dude on TV who was 109. <laughs> and he didn't have a disease. He was just old. He was like Old Testament old. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll, uh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. The Bible says Moses was 120 and he walked to the top of the mountain. He was strong as ever. And he said, there's a promise saying, you ain't getting in. Your servant Joshua, your disciple, but I just want to see you did a good job. You spent 40 years in Pharaoh's house, 40 years in the wilderness, and 40 years walking through the wilderness. How many years was he in Pharaoh's house? How many years was he in the wilderness? And how many years did he walk through the wilderness? That means he was how old? Okay. Four, carry the two. It's eight. Four and four, seven. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend, and he would not return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See that you say to me, Bring up this people, and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Say, I am God's people. Say, God knows me by name. And then he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The reason people pursue careers and relationships and, and, and vacation is they're trying to attain rest. The only true rest comes from God. It's in here. It's in here. When you die, you will have true rest. How many of you love going to sleep at night? Oh, man. I experienced euphoria in the middle of the day thinking about my pillow. <laughs> I am not lying. I am going to sleep. I have three more hours till I go to bed and I can rest. The problem is it's not true rest. You wake up and you got to do it like all again. I woke up at 1 o'clock this morning. I've been up since 1 a.m. I don't know why. I'm sitting there going... I got church, God. Can you help me out? Uh, true rest is when you enter into the presence of God and there's an there's a earthly version of it and then there's a heavenly version of it. The earthly version still got to deal with junk, but you still have rest. The heavenly version, there's no more junk, no more tears. Okay? My presence. God's rest is only in God's presence. You can have worldly rest outside of God's presence. But if you want God's rest, you can't get it outside his presence. And you can't be outside of his presence unless you are in his presence. And his presence is his face. Imagine if you got that presence in the morning and you just carried with it all day long. Your life would change. You make different decisions. Look what it says, verse 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said, if your presence does not go with me, do not bring me up from here. In other words, God, I am not, I don't want to go anywhere without you. This is so important. 
It should be a non-negotiable for you that you go nowhere without acknowledging the presence of God. Is God everywhere? Absolutely. But if you don't acknowledge it, he might as well not be there as far as your consciousness is concerned. He can even do a miracle right in front of you, but if you don't acknowledge that he's there, you will probably miss it. And so if you every day got up in the morning and said, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. I want to hear your voice. I want to get a word from you. I want to get some encouragement from you, some insight from you. And then when you went to work, pray in your car. Dear God, you know, turn, if you're listening to radio, talk radio, you know, whatever, talk to God. Talk to God. Think about how much input you get from stuff that's not God. And how much input you get that stuff that's contrary to God. Then you come to church and you hear something, you go, eh. And then you go all week long getting fed by opinion. Instead of saying, God, you talk to me. So start your day, get your day right on track. And then it says in verse uh, 15, he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your presence and I have found, your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate. Your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So how do we get a heart that drives us to a face-and-face encounter with God? And let me be clear. It's a face-and-face encounter that can last all day long that you acknowledge. Number one, A-S-K, assess. What is your heart's attitude towards your time with God in the morning? I know some people are night people. I'm a night person by uh, my design. I like night. I always would sleep in the morning. But now I'm a morning person. I had to become a morning person, but I'm also a night person. What does that mean? Does that mean any given day I could just stay up? But I found the importance of getting God in the morning. Because if you get up and you hear that garbage about how your day is going to be a failure and how this, your marriage is not going to work and, and you might as well not get out of bed and you get up and go, man, how am I going to do this? And you conduct your whole day based on that wisdom, that day ain't going to go that good. You're going to make a whole bunch of irrational decisions. But if you wake up and hear that garbage and say, okay, hold up, devil, and you go into the presence of God, and say, will you get this fool off my back? In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And you have an encounter with God. And God says, I love you. I'm with you. We're going we're to kick some butt today. And now you go up in that wisdom and you say, God, can you go with me? Absolutely. And all day long, you are praying, talking to God and receiving. You're in his face, so you're receiving from him as well. That's a whole different deal. So what is your heart towards that? You may be going, mm, I don't want to get up. I don't believe he's going to talk to me. I ain't never heard God's voice before. I don't know how to read the Bible. What am I going to do? What am I going to pray about? That's what Pastor Miles. If that's your heart, write it down. I got a bad attitude. What's God's heart? He loves you and he's waiting for you. Look at number two. Look at the next point. Search the scriptures. What does the Bible say? Search the scriptures for the conviction of God's heart. Remember, our heart changes. One day we want to pray, next day we don't. One day we want to pray, next day we don't. One day we want to be forgiving, next day we don't. God's heart is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says God is worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of your praise whether you believe it or not. 
He's worthy of our praise whether you feel like it or not. It doesn't change. We're like this. So what's your heart? Your heart is doing this. We all change. We all got moves and all this kind of stuff. We, you know, it's raining outside. You know, sunny outside. Oh, I feel better. Oh, your show comes on. Your football team wins. Oh, I feel good. Your football team gets spanked. Oh, I feel bad. And God's like, the same. So assess your heart moment to moment. And then what is God's heart? What does the Bible say God's heart is about you worshiping him? What does the Bible say about what the angels do? All day and night. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You could say that any time, any day, and it's true. God, you are faithful and worthy of all my praise. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that is true. That's what God is. So you assess your heart. And we're going to talk about this every week, ASK. You search the scriptures. We just saw God showed up with Moses. And he spoke to him face to face as a man speaks his friend. You know, the Bible says in John that Jesus called. He says, I don't call you my servants. I call you my friend. And I'm going to tell you secrets. God's going to tell you stuff that pertains to just you. Just you. K, knit your heart with God. A deliberate, constant surrender. How do you do that? You just ask God for your heart. Based on what you read, three things. Number one in your notes. Father, give me a heart that identifies you as itself, as your friend. Everyone say, God is my friend. I went to Catholic school growing up. The image I learned was God was like this. I'm going to get you. You mess up, I'm going to get you. I'm not saying anybody taught me that, but that's what I picked up. Let me tell you something, my, years in, my eight years in Catholic school, I am so thankful I did. It struck the fear of God in me and the respect of God. I ain't trying to hate. I'm just saying I didn't see God as a friend. Is he almighty? Absolutely. But he's your friend. He said Moses, the Bible says he spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. He didn't speak to Moses face to face mad. He said, hey, Moses, what's, tell me what's going on. These people are driving me crazy, God. Well, tell me how I can help. Well, can you kill them all? How about that? And give me some new people. <laughs> and God's like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do something else. Because if you kill them, then everyone's going to know that you, didn't, you couldn't keep your people safe. So this is literally the conversation you'll read about. They had these conversations. He said, hey, God, they, they want water. Where am I going to get water? What do I look like? We're out in the desert. How am I going to get them water? Just go hit the rock. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, they need bread. There ain't no store around here. I don't know how I'm going to feed 2 million people bread every day. Watch this. Bread. Boom. Okay, anything you need, Moses, just come to me. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. They had a conversation. Number two, Lord, you are my friend. Number two, Jesus created me a heart that desires and plans to meet with you face to face every day. Say, Jesus. Say, Jesus. Created me a heart. That wants to be with you every day. Change my heart. Give me a desire that's looking for you every day. Face-to-face -face encounter. How many of y'all want that? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Very good. Let's see. All you got to do is fill this out. Look at what it says. Daily reading and prayer. Where are you going to do it? Write it down. Step up. Where are you going to do it? Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Look at the paper. 
place. We ain't gonna meet with him. Put a place. I'm gonna be in my car. I'm gonna lay next to, I'm gonna kneel next to my bed. Be in the kitchen, living room, outside, whatever it is. Just put a place. And if you're thinking, oh, I don't know which one I got three, just put one place. You could always change it. Put a time. What time are you gonna meet with him? From what time to what time? Put 20 minutes. Takes you 15 minutes to read the Bible, a few minutes to pray. And by the way, if it goes good, you'll, an hour will go by before you know it. But don't put an hour. Just put 15, 20 minutes. From 6 a.m. to 6.15. From 7 a.m. to 7.15. Oh, I've got to go work. Figure it out. And then who's your accountability partner, R group, D group? Who's the person that is going to hold you accountable? I had my R group last week. I got three 30-year-olds. So I said, why are y'all here? What do y'all want out of this? And they went around and then one of them said, what are you here for? It was my son. I said, I'm here because it's my house. <laughs> I said, I'm glad you asked that question. We are all in mutual accountability together. So every question you do, everything you do, I got to do. So who's going to ask you? Think about this. Imagine if you had someone to say who's going to call you up. Even if you're not in a D group yet, Please register your D group by next Sunday. Please register your D group by next Sunday. So get your two or three people. Look at last week's sermon. You'll t I talked more about what D groups are, uh, discipleship groups. Text the word, text the word disciple to 52525. It's in the lesson plan. Um, ask one person, can you ask me tomorrow? Did I do that? Ask your wife, your, your friend, your coworker. Can you ask me tomorrow if I did that? If y'all see me in the mall, which probably is not going to happen, but if you saw me somewhere in and out, I say probably not going to happen because I don't go to the mall a whole lot. But if you see me on the street, ask me, did you read your Bible today? Just ask me. What's the memory verse? Ask me. What did God say to me from my reading? Ask me. And now I'm going to ask you. Because <laughs> we're all reading the same thing. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Are y'all following what I'm saying? Everyone say ask me. And number three, Holy Spirit, develop a heart in me that will go nowhere without you. If you are anywhere, anywhere, God is already there. Just acknowledge that he's there. You're in the middle of, a, you're in the middle of a, something at work or, or a fight with your girlfriend. God, I know you're here. Speak to me. Speak, what do I do? Run. <laughs> Say you're sorry. <laughs> Repent. You know you're wrong. You know you're lying. Speak to me, God. This is what walking with God is. In a minute, we're going to pray. God wants to meet some of y'all face to face right here. He wants you to stop just being an attender or even a Christian. He wants you to stop being a Christian. He wants you to be a disciple. A disciple that said, Lord, I am going to pursue your heart. Because if I get your heart, you can take care of everything else. You'll have me serving. You'll have me praying for people. You'll have me sharing my faith. You'll have me stepping out in faith in situations. And I'm blowing my mind how awesome you are because you are the hero in all my conflicts. But it has to start with me seeking your face. How do I do that? Write down a place, a time. Ask, have someone ask you, do you do it? And if anything you do. By the way, you can download a journal, uh, a prayer journal on our website. You can download a prayer journal. If anything you do, 
just read your Bible. And I told my, my D group this. Read your Bible every day and I want you to come next week, every single one of you, with at least one thing you heard God say to you. What does that mean? Lord, here's what you do. Lord, I am reading the Bible. Please speak to me. And you get a pen and you say, Lord, I am going to write down what I hear you say. And as crazy as it may sound, he may tell you something like, stop eating sugar. Because it's bad for your brain like cocaine. That's a fact. Write it down. Write it down. Let's all pray. Honey, do you think he'll ask me to stop eating sugar? He could. It's no good for you. At least every day. There are some of you right now on all the campuses that God is calling you right now. You've, you, we've been asking for his heart and he is transforming your heart right now. And he is calling you right now to a more intimate relationship. You can feel it. You can't even put it into words. The part of your brain that processes feeling does not process language. The part of your brain that processes feeling does not process language. That's why we say something in my gut is telling me. Something in your gut is telling you God is calling you to a more intimate relationship, not only every day, but right now. So in all the campuses, I just want you to pray this prayer with me if that's you. Pray, dear God, I hear your voice. I've asked for your heart and I sense you giving it to me. I surrender my heart to your heart. I receive your call on my life to pursue you with everything I have. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow you. As the eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you're sensing God calling you, I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. And by standing, you are giving public testimony to a response to the voice of God in your heart. So on the count of three, if you sense that and you prayed that prayer just now, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.